Okay. So welcome to what is week two of us looking at what it means for us to grow an intergenerational community and gospel-based church. Last week, we considered the very beginning of the statement to grow. And I told a harrowing tale about being at a birthday with a little kid who served cream onto their napkin with nothing but their hands and then licked it up like a little dog. And then I held up the example of this child, just like Jesus did in Matthew 18 and 19, where he speaks about children, encouraging his hearers to humble themselves like little children, for they will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And we took three leaves from the child's book about how to grow, because kids do a lot of growing, don't they? And those three leaves were, be always willing to ask for help and ready to trust. Be willing to do what you can do and put your roots down in a village. So today we're looking at the next portion of this vision statement, which is an intergenerational community. What does that mean and what does that look like? Let's pray as we begin. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you call us together as Ham South Baptist. We thank you for each and every person that makes up this congregation, who serves this congregation diligently, and who loves this congregation. I pray this morning, Jesus, we would hear your words as we consider what we can do to engage meaningfully across generations in this place. In your name, amen. So amongst today's world, the church is a very special place and it's a very unique place because it's a place where togetherness is celebrated and sought out and encouraged. And I'm sure many of you will have noticed that the world is becoming increasingly individualistic, where the attitude is, it's all about me. What can I get? How does this serve me? It's all about me. And then we come into church, and like last week, we talked about trusting others, relying on others. We talked about what we can do to serve others, and we talked about the importance of putting our roots down within a village, committing to a group of others. These are all things that are becoming quite foreign concepts to the world around us. But aside our promotion of togetherness, there are many other things that set us apart from this world. I certainly hope. And one of those things is that we aren't just a community promoting togetherness, like gathering with friends and that sort of thing. We're also an intergenerational community, and we promote connection across generations. And there's not too many places out there that really do this. An intergenerational community is a community that spans generations. It's fairly simple. It's a community that includes and involves people of all ages and stages of life and is often focused on caring for all ages and stages of life. It doesn't prioritise necessarily one group over the other, but instead it uses it bands together. It uses skills and talents from across the ages to care for people across the ages. And that 
is really the essence of an intergenerational community, a special and unique occurrence in today's world. But here, we're all lucky enough to be a part of that, to be a part of an intergenerational community. And the reason that we're talking about this today, we're not just doing it for the sake of it. We're talking about intergenerational community because it was one of the key themes that came out of our pastor and elders retreat that we had earlier in the year. So when we came to our retreat time, we'd written up like a little agenda and we'd added to this agenda over even a period of months, I think, just as things came up that we thought, yeah, we're going to need to talk in depth and pray in depth about those things. And something that was added to that was youth. Now, maybe you know this already, maybe you don't, it's not supposed to be a secret, but since Shannon left, We've been left with a bit of a hole around the area of youth. And as of this year, youth group, as it's known, hasn't really been a thing. And for a while last year, we scratched together, you know, a gathering of sorts some Sunday afternoons. Um, sometimes we did a fun thing, like play mini golf. Sometimes we did not-so-fun things, like walk up a lot of steps on the Hakaramata Walk. But it wasn't really serving our youth well, and the leaders who were involved, it wasn't really working well for them either. So the question had to be asked, is this working? And the honest but hard answer to that was, no, it isn't. We have a gap, and we still have a gap in the area of youth, and so it went down on our agenda to talk about and pray about that day. And let me tell you just now, if anyone out there is thinking, well, Lucy, if you just did it like this, or look, you could just go back to doing it this way and it would be fine, I'm going to be honest and clear with you right from the outset. Just no. No. Let me ask you a question. Do you guys know what TikTok is? Do you know how it has captured a generation? Because I barely understand what it is and how it's captured a generation, and I'm like just one step across from them. There's a lot of people my age who would know that, but I don't even know. And at Easter camp this year, when we were gathered in for one of the main meetings, they play music, you know, as you're coming in, finding your seat, waiting for things to start. And one of the songs that they played for, you know, all 4,000 of us there was a TikTok song, which is basically a song that's found its fame on TikTok because kids make up dances to it, film themselves doing these dances to these songs, post it on social media, and they go big, you know, that sort of thing. And as we sat there one time waiting for the meeting to start, one of the songs they played was a TikTok song. And let me tell you, around the grandstands, around the whole like arena setup, went this wave of synchronized dancing. Like, we got the kids to teach it to us afterwards, after we'd witnessed this amazing phenomenon. But please understand, when I say they all were doing it, like 4,000 of them, it was harder to find a high schooler in that room who didn't know these dancers than one who did. We were just, I just looked on in awe. You know, it was amazing. And so we got back to the tent site afterwards, and we were like, look, guys, we've got some questions. And so we asked the youth, like, how do you learn these things? Do you lock yourself away in your bedroom, you know, in front of the mirror, and you practice these dances until you nail them? And the answers that we got were like, oh, no, we just kind of pick them up because everyone at school is doing them. 
Like when you're trying to walk up the stairs, there's like kids filming these dances in the way. And like in the bathroom, it's really hard to wash your hands because the girls are all standing in the mirror filming themselves doing these dances for TikTok. And I mean, you guys are probably a little bit bamboozled, but it's okay because I am too. And I mean, I tell you all of this not just to make you think, my goodness, what has this world come to? But rather to say, this is today's generation of youth. This is today's generation of youth. And that's okay. Like, that's totally fine. Because while we think it's wild and mind-blowing and just a little bit nuts that kids do that, I'm sure that when we were young, when we were youth, whenever that was in our lives, we probably did things that our older generations just thought, Oh my goodness, what is that? But the reality, unfortunately, has become that youth groups across the board are struggling. Not just here, it's not just us. Numbers are down everywhere. And I don't think we can really blame that on TikTok, but that's just like a little sign of the times. And it's becoming apparent that what has always been done, you know, the fun things that you guys would remember from youth group, the fun things that I remember from my days in youth group, which weren't that long ago. It was almost 10 years ago now, though, which is weird. Um, but those things, they're just not working. They're just not cutting it like they used to. And so when we came to our pastor and elders retreat, and we asked this question of what are we going to do about youth, and the classic answers of like, well, we used to do this, or we used to do that, they were just woefully inadequate. But maybe the most remarkable thing of that conversation was the fact that we couldn't stay focused on youth. While we tried to talk about what could be done with this TikTok dance generation, points kept coming up about what could be done with the steadfast, we need more hymns generation. And as the conversation drifted to the steadfast, we need more hymns generation, we couldn't help but touch on the I'm too busy for church generation and what we could do to engage them. And then popped up the I'm just going to keep church hopping generation. And we considered what the issue was there as well. Our conversation, it didn't simply revolve around youth and their needs. It quickly turned to this all-encompassing discussion about the state of our wider church senior members included, middle-aged members included, young adults included, youth, kids. We looked at it all. And please note that I have given very brash generalizations there of different generations, and there certainly are definite exceptions and many exceptions. But these are some of the key themes, the key attitudes that do make up our wider church, and not just necessarily this body just all church bodies across the board. And I mean, when we think back, you know, things used to be easy. Back when the church was organised into silos or kind of individual areas, you had the main body silo, but then you had the youth silo, the children's silo, maybe the seniors' silo, the creche silo, you know, all the other silos that you can think of. And the system was so easy because the silo system worked to please those within their own silos. And so those within their own silos were very pleased with the system. But come the age of 18, 
Those older youth were thrust out an exit-only door into the main body silo, which possibly hardly ever touched on youth culture. And these young people are left thinking, is this where I belong? And then a number of years later, people are thrust through an entry-only door into the seniors' silo. And it's like all of a sudden they're told, oh, we just don't really know how you can serve the church anymore. I mean, silos were easy, because it meant that each group had their own thing, and they were, for the most part, pretty happy. But the main thing that silos really achieved was to tear apart the intergenerational community that is so special and so unique in church life. But now let's turn to Hebrews 5.11, and we're going to read right through to the start of chapter 6, verse 1. So starting with 5 verse 11. Yes, we even have it on the screen today. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Okay, okay. So the author there, there is much more that he would like to say about Jesus being a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, which is what he was talking to before this. But he just has to stop that speak for this touching announcement. You are spiritually dull and you don't seem to listen. What a lovely moment of breaking news. But I bet that this harsh picture made them sit up and listen at that moment. But the author here, he doesn't say this without qualification. The heart behind this calling out is because the author wants them to be teaching others. The author wants them to be eating solid foods, to know the goodness that there is beyond just milk. But the hearers, all they love milk. All they want is the milk because it's all that they know. They haven't yet tried fries or a succulent piece of steak. They don't know the wonders of chocolate and lollies just yet. Like babies, all they know is milk. And the author urges them to press further, to take it to the next step, to grow and mature and to taste the solid food for themselves. Because solid food the fries, the steak, the chocolate, the lollies, they are for those who are mature, those who possess a mature spirituality that allows them to make good decisions in critical moments. 
The author wants them to grow so that they might be of more use, so that they may be able to serve, so that they might become more mature in their understanding and know the wonders of God that exist beyond just the milk, that exist beyond just the basic teachings. Interestingly enough, at Hebrews 6 verse 1, the author doesn't say, well, I guess since you are just babies, since you're only at this level, I guess we'll start from there. I guess we'll go over the basics and build up. No, the author just plows straight on in saying, surely we don't need to rehash the basics. In fact, God willing, we're going to go into a deeper understanding. The author simply pushes them forward. He raises their standard, expecting them at this level, offering them solid food right up to their mouths. So all they really have to do is either eat it or not. The passage then continues addressing the fairly heavy topic of those who walk away from God. Not a topic for those who are just babies themselves, but rather a topic for those who need to care for those faith babies, for the ones who are at risk of walking away from God when their limited understanding, their limited faith fails to carry them through. This is why we need to skill up. This is why we need to grow up and mature in our faith so that we can encourage the same in others so that we can help others build their own deeper understanding, deeper faith that they can stand upon in those critical moments. We're going to continue reading now from chapter 6, verse 10, which again, I believe, is going on the screen. Look at that. God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for others' believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and their endurance. And here is like an ease up. The reminder that in God's kingdom, it's not all about confrontation and condemnation, but rather about an encouragement made in love. At first reading, I thought the author maybe had lost their bravado. I was almost disappointed in them for not really sticking to their harsh guns, you know, and really giving it to them. But does God ever leave us in that place? Does God ever call us to growth and then not offer a hand to lead us along the path towards maturity and deeper faith in Christ? What the author does here from verse 10 as they ease up on their hearers is extending that hand, sending out the invitation to step forward towards maturity and deeper faith in Christ. The author, they recognize what the Hebrews are already doing. They are showing their love and commitment to God by caring for one another. 
And then the author encourages them to keep on loving each other as long as life lasts, as they walk towards their eternal future with Christ. And by doing this, by caring for one another, loving one another, by engaging meaningfully with those around them, they will not lapse into laziness or become the ones that they were just warned about who walk away from God. Instead, they will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and their endurance. The community of Hebrews was an intergenerational community. I mean, we're not told the specific ages or groups that made up that community, but we are told clearly that there are different ages and stages of faith and life, which makes them intergenerational. There were the babies, those who just drank the milk, then those on solid food, those with the deeper understanding. There were the ones who had been believers for a long time, and teachers, the ones who could teach others like the author was. And there were the carers, those who diligently cared for and loved others. And then there were the examples, the ones whose lives were held up as examples of embodying faith and endurance. The whole community of Hebrews weren't all in the same stage of life, the same place of faith. And does the author suggest that maybe it's best if then they split up into different groups depending on their needs? Maybe they should categorize themselves so that they can more easily target their teaching. No. The author suggests that they continue to care for and love one another as this will spur them on towards maturity and deeper faith in Christ. And then the author goes back to talking about Jesus and Melchizedek. The community of Ham South Baptist is an intergenerational community, and we are blessed to be so. We are blessed to have the cream-loving children among us. We are blessed to have the TikTok dancing generation among us, and the church hoppers, and the too busy for churches, and the steadfast hymn lovers. For this makes us a rich and diverse body in so many ways. But we must be careful because what will make us spiritually dull and indifferent towards growth is if we don't value and care for each member of the body and see them as an equal to us. So what will we do? What will we do to keep this intergenerational community alive and thriving? Can I promote, propose to you, kanohi kite kanohi? Kanohi kite kanohi. It means face to face, in person, in the flesh. Kanohi kite kanohi. Out of our pastor and elders retreat came this vision of a one-on-one program that's of sorts that would connect people intergenerationally across church, but we didn't know what to call it. It wasn't going to strictly be like a mentoring program, but it wasn't just going to be a hangout with friends. And we didn't want to use the word program either. 
But then at Easter camp, we sang a song called Kanohi Kite Kanohi. And I was like, yes, that's it. That's what we need to do. That's what this connection-based program, but not program, needs to be. Kanohi Kite Kanohi. Face-to-face, in person, in the flesh. And how will this work? How will this build and engage our intergenerational community? Kanohi kite kanohi, you know, it seems to me like one of those things you'd really like to start organically. Like maybe we just stumble on this wonderful bunch of relationships across generations that have formed and that are flourishing, but I'm not sure that we can just expect that to happen. What kanohi kite kanohi takes to start is a committed few. It would be good if it was a committed lot or a committed heap even, but it can start with just a committed few who are willing to make those kanohi kite kanohi connections, those face-to-face, in-person connections that go deeper than just saying hello on a Sunday. It starts with those who are willing to commit those who are willing to be vulnerable, those who are willing to maybe make a new friend that they usually wouldn't have connected with. It also starts with those who are willing to care for one another and love one another. It starts with those who are wanting to grow to maturity and those who want to see others grow to maturity. It starts with those who see the beauty in an intergenerational community. Because imagine what happens when someone of the TikTok dance generation connects with someone, kanohi kite kanohi. They meet in person. They meet face to face. They forge a connection with someone through real life engagement. They are seen as they are here and now, not just based on what they put out there in the web world. They connect with someone who is physically there for them, physically present in this time, here and now, ready to listen, ready to chat. And imagine what happens when someone of the church-hopping generation meets kanohi kite kanohi. They forge a connection with someone who is a part of the village. They engage with someone who has put their roots down, who has committed to a particular place, who knows the ups and downs of church life, but has chosen to make that place the place that they will grow. They connect with someone who is staying put, who extends the invitation for them to do the same. And imagine what happens when someone from the too-busy-for-church generation meets kanohi kite kanohi. They actually connect with the church. They engage with someone who is a part of the church, who loves the church, who believes in the church, and who prioritizes church and what they can do to serve. They connect with someone who celebrates church life, and who can encourage them to be a part of it. 
And imagine what happens when someone of the steadfast, him-loving generation meets kanohi kite kanohi. They engage with someone who maybe hasn't done as many years as them, with someone who maybe hasn't gone as deep as them or whose faith hasn't been tested like theirs. But they forge a connection with someone who is eager to listen, eager to learn, eager to gain from their wisdom, and eager to assure them they have purpose and they still have a place in this church body. They connect with those in generational stages that they've likely seen and been in throughout their lives, and they have the opportunity to tell their story of perseverance, which has led to hope. And then imagine what happens when someone from our community, someone from beyond those doors, who may not yet be a part of this, meets with someone who is. Kanohi kite kanohi. They meet someone who cares for them. They meet someone who loves them. They meet someone who wants to hear their story, who wants to learn their history, and who wants to walk with them into the future. They connect with someone who wants to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. And they connect with someone who is willing to walk alongside them. Kanohi kite kanohi. I mean, at this stage, we're probably all just a little bit jealous of our kids here at church. Because over the past term, Kids Church has been run by sharing it amongst members across all generations of this church who go in on a Sunday and meet the kids. Kanohi kite kanohi. The kids out there, they get loved on and they get cared for by so many members of this congregation as they learn about Jesus. And that's really, really It's all about encouragement, isn't it, Ron? All about encouragement. We at Hamself are an intergenerational community. Let's embrace that and celebrate that and engage with that, expand on it. Let's use it to our advantage by being a community that offers something special, that offers something truly unique from what this world offers. It's one of our bonuses of being small but mighty. We do see each other, kanohi kite kanohi, on a Sunday. We get the opportunity to encourage one another, kanohi kite kanohi, on a Sunday. But we can take that deeper. We can go further. We can meet kanohi kite kanohi outside of simply this space and spur each other on towards maturity towards deeper faith in Jesus Christ. So is there anyone who's willing maybe to be a part of that starting few, that committed few, who recognize there is beauty in connecting across generations, that there is life to be given by connecting across generations, that there is encouragement just waiting to be given throughout generations? from young to old, old to young. 
is there anyone who wants to get to know this community and this community? Kanohi, kite kanohi. Zoe and Andre are going to come up and play the song, Kanohi, kite kanohi. The words will be up, but you're welcome to just sit quietly. Think about it. Are you willing? Are you ready to step into this? Do you want to see this church connect across generations and thrive as an intergenerational community? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, everything you call us to do is to look at others, to turn our eyes upwards towards you and then outwards towards those around us. Everything you did, Jesus, was to serve others, to encourage others, to celebrate others, and to see them grow and mature and walk towards deeper faith in you. That was all you did, Jesus. Nothing flashy, nothing that we can't do. And you ask us to do the same. Lord Jesus, would we hear your call this morning? to step forward and to be willing to meet others kanohi kite kanohi face to face in person in the flesh just as you meet us kanohi kite kanohi you meet us face to face Jesus and would you do that this morning Amen In this song as you just sit and listen hear it as an invitation from God. Hear his word to you.